Today on Talk About That, John wonders how successful he'd be if he still had all his hair, and I find out about another troubling gas shortage. Then we discuss the slap heard around the world and the inevitable cultural overreaction. Plus, a conversation on biblical parables. Today's episode is not sponsored by Gym Memberships. You can check out anytime you like, but you can never leave. Let's do it. It's Monday, Johnny. It's Talk About That. You know that. We do it every week, inviting the world to join us for... Uh, what would you, how would you describe what we're about to do? <laughs> I should know by now. It's over 200 episodes. Over 200 archived I find, episodes. you know, like when you go to write... Have you ever tried to write your own bio? Oh, yeah. It's hell. Ugh. You don't know what you are. What what I've ended up having to do is I ask like five comedian friends, how would you describe my act? And yeah. then I'll get like snippets and I'll go, oh, I like that. Like somebody once said that I have offbeat stand-up and I kind of liked how that sounded. Yeah. Even I don't know if it's true. Yeah. But it sounds like um, that it's funny, but in a new way. Right. You know? So it's kind of like, oh, it's offbeat. Like, because if you just go, I'm a traditional stand-up, it almost sounds like is this guy uh, can wear a suit and right. tell like insult jokes. Right. So I liked that, and so I've kept it in my bio forever. Off Johnny, blah blah blah. Combine such and such with offbeat stand-up, just because somebody said that about my act. Yeah. But I would never have come up with that on my own. Interesting. So you used to say that you had offbeat good looks. Which means you're good looking for an ugly guy. Right. But I don't know if, that, I don't know if that's true for – that's an old joke. I can't remember who, who told that joke. It's like an old comic. I think it was uh, Al Lubell, who's a comic in the 80s. Still working. I hate to say somebody's a comic in the 80s when they're still working yeah. comic. It's almost so disrespectful. But that's when I discovered him. And he was on like Evening at the Improv or something. And he used to say like I was always told I had offbeat good looks, which means you're good looking for, for an, an ugly, ugly guy. guy. Yeah, you know, I think there's, there's words that – like the word – that works in in some bios yeah. is humorist for writers. If you put humorist, humorist. it's like it, it jumps. Yeah. There, you want that word or the other good word. Sorry, we're giving our secrets away. The other great word that I'll write into other people's bios for them yeah. is curator. If right. you can talk about how like they're curating a journey for you. Yeah, I wonder you know. when curator changed because it used to be like you would see a curator that was almost like an Indiana Jones well, was yeah, a curator because curator, he yeah. was like a I'm going to go find this lost object. Yeah. And then put it on display for the world. Now it's just like, yeah, he gets all these social media clips and people love him. He's such like, a curator. It doesn't mean, doesn't mean anything. Yeah. but Wasn't Ross Geller a curator? For the for the museum, museum of, yeah. Because he was the, the dinosaur. He was a, a uh, paleontologist. Paleontologist. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Well, anyway, I don't know. So about our show, who knows? You tell us, viewers and listeners, what do you think our show is? <laughs> because uh, we got nothing here. We will tell you though up front uh, this time that you before we even get started that we yeah. would we appreciate you listening. We'd love for you to go follow us on Instagram. Yeah, uh, and talkaboutthatpodcast.com has all of our archived episodes. Yeah. You can find social media links there. You can find our patron link if you want to give to the show, uh, help us make uh, fine quality curated content. Mm. Like this. Uh, or if you listen, if you want to continue mooching, that's fine too. It's America. Yeah. You know, we're open to it. Yeah, have at it. There's no judgment here, even if it feels like it. You know why? It's because we don't know who you are, right? So there's no way for us to be like, "What a mooch!" I do want to say to we our just see you as like a number. You're a code. <laughs> You're just a series of ones and zeros. We go, "Hey, downloads are which downloads are up," which is really like right now. It's very gratifying. My computer screen is just looks like the Matrix, and uh-huh. I have the ability to interpret it. Uh, yes, I was going to say thank you, listeners, because uh, this last month, by far was yeah. our highest downloaded month ever. A banner show. a banner month. Yeah. So the pressure is now we got we, we got can't go, we, we got to do it again. So You got to top it and keep on top right. of it. Right. You can't rest. I, I it's interesting we have one a listener our dear friend uh Allie Holland and she goes back and listens to old episodes and then she will send us clips yeah. of where we said something that was either like very prescient of right. something that was going to occur or very prescient of something we were so, so far off far on, wrong, which yeah. is a lot of those. Yeah, and she did that a couple of days ago, which it made me laugh. But the one that you immediately texted me about was Sunday night because I just like you kind of tried to inject the Oscars into the conversation uh-huh. at the nor towards the end of last episode. You were yeah. like, "Well, what about the Academy Awards?" And I was like, "Nobody watches that crap. It's three hours long. <laughs> it's boring. Stop it." It wasn't even long. Enough I go, to make "Have it- you even seen any of the movies?" You go, "No," and I go, "See, I couldn't even make a clip." And out of then it, it was so the small. world crumbled around itself yeah. 
that night, and it's been everyone's talking about it ever since then. So. Well, and that's what's hard. You and I are like, well, we don't want to add it. We don't want to just shout more nonsense yeah. into the Because, I mean, I've made a post about that, about how, like, if you want to make dumb jokes about what happened, hey, I love jokes. And a lot of the jokes have been really funny. But if you want to use this as, like, a think piece to forward your weird culture war belief, yeah. like, miss me with that. I can't. It's too much. A guy slapped it's, a it's guy. It's two millionaires fighting. Yeah. You know, one used words, one used his hand. And I'm supposed to be like, this is totally indicative of what's wrong with our culture. No, it's not. Yeah. It's not indicative of what's wrong with the culture. Two dudes had a fight. Yeah. It's, it's indicative of them. And yeah. that's it. But it is fascinating. Well, here's what happened, though. The fallout, that is indicative of our culture. There you Meaning go. To, needing to attach it to something yeah. and make it a bit uh, – this is a larger problem that we have yet to address, and I have the answer. It's like, okay, now we're, now we're at the heart of the issue. You know? <laughs> Well, I It was thought, fascinating, though. And believe me, I was glued to it because I saw it happen. The tweet went out. Will Smith started trending on Twitter, which is usually that's my bat signal. That's the alarm bell for me because I'm a Twitter guy. And I was like, why is Will Smith trending? It was yeah. like, what just happened? All caps was trending for a minute. And I go, and it happened like four minutes ago. So yeah. there's already clips. And I was like, if you could have got one of the first clips up, bro. I know. And I immediately started watching the Academy Awards because I knew – He's up for an Academy Award, and he might win. And if he wins, he's going to give a speech after having slapped this man. Yeah. And that's exactly, exactly what, what happened. happened. <laughs> and yeah. I couldn't believe it. that Nobody removed him. He just sat down. I was like, this is, if this is I top were quality to walk television. Up, this is not a cultural thing, but if I were to walk up right. on the stage. That's the, that's the number one kind of post there was. was like, imagine if it had been The yeah. Rock presenting the award. Do you think – Will would have had the guts to – if it had been a white man that charged the stage, what would right. – and I had one friend who goes, if it had been a conservative that charged the stage, they would have – it would have ruined his career. I go, it might ruin Will Smith's career. Right. We don't know yet what's going to happen to Will Smith. We don't know. You know? I don't know. I mean, they, I can tell you this. We're having a lot of meetings about it, and we're not sure what we're going to do yet. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm glad they called me in. It's, it will ruin my career eventually because everyone is going to – make bad jokes about it while I'm on stage. Yeah. Like someone's going to walk up and smack you as a joke. Or they're going to threaten to and think that it's really funny from the crowd to uh, be like, "Watch yourself, don't, don't make me pull a Will Smith." And I'll be like, "You're not funny. It's yeah. my job to make these observations. Right. Please stop." Right. But everybody, you know, it's it's what's going to happen because it's like the culture's falling all over itself to make this uh, stay in the news and so and it's still funny. It really is. There's a lot of funny takes on it that I saw. And so I'm not going to deny that. It's just people who aren't funny are going to think they're being funny by just going, I'll pull a Will Smith. And every comedian is going to be like, please stop yeah. doing this. And I'm not a crowd work comic, and I've never been more grateful. What you're saying, though, is that the comedians get to curate. They do. What? We brought it full circle. Funny, right? We brought it full circle. You know, I will say this. It was, it was interesting to me. If someone walked up to me, and I'm not a believer that it was staged. No, And no. the main reason is, is, I haven't heard anybody say this, but the main reason I believe it is not staged, mm -hmm. okay, is I don't think that the topic of his wife's hair loss, that he would have allowed there to be some sort of publicity stunt. Right, around that. Around that. I think it wasn't staged because you saw how awkward it immediately got. And the, my favorite take on it, and the funniest one was, people who think this was staged have never seen Chris Rock act. Right. <laughs> I was like, yeah, it's true. If you ever seen Chris Rock's movies, he ain't that good. What got me was, though, is he didn't back away at all. No. And he didn't move his feet after it happened. Yeah. Like, if you if you took a swing at me. He I didn't think, even rub his face. I think instinctively I would kind of like. I would do a whew. Yeah. I would do one of these while I continued the proceedings. He just, yeah, he stood he there took it. and took it. And the thing is, too, like, he took his duties as a Oscar presenter very seriously and kept the show going. Like, that's a pro. So yeah. I did like that part of it. As a comedian, I was like, the show must go on, yeah, my friend. I really got off the stage. I'd be like, what just happened? Yeah. The uh, show must go on. I don't get paid enough to do this. And yeah. then you remember, you're getting paid like $50 million or whatever. Yeah, then, another take I saw was, it was like, there's a comedian named Joe Zimmerman. Uh, and he, my buddy Marty worked with him this past weekend in Charlotte. And he talked about it as when Chris Rock is explaining this to his grandkids. Of like, what was your worst show ever, Daddy? <laughs> well, let me tell you. Thirty years ago, you know, one time I told a joke and someone came up and hit me, and then he sat down and stayed in the room, and they gave him an award and everybody applauded. <laughs> and it's just like such a, it's so <laughs> surreal. True. That's exactly what happened. Yeah. 
That is, you know, whatever bad show you think you've had, that's got to be the strangest and worst. I think people have to realize that as much as this, like, some comment on culture in modern day, like, even if you go back to British Parliament, there were fistfights. Yeah. Like, in people the sh- What about they dueled? They people duel. shot each other. Hamilton, hello? Yeah, hello? Maybe you heard, Maybe of, you heard of You know, and even, like, one of my, again, we told that story before. One of my favorite stories is when someone came up to try to assassinate Andrew Jackson. Yeah. And he had a cane in his hand. And the guy's gun malfunctioned. And Jackson just took his cane and just beat the crap out of the guy. Yeah. And like. Yeah, that's politics. But there's even pre That's my president. <laughs> Pre-Civil War. Yeah. There were literal fistfights. They assaulted a guy on the floor of the Senate. I read a book the other day. Because think about it. They're about to go to war. There's so much tension. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I mean. You just got to go. I know that's politics, but that was also culture. So I'm not. Yeah, the whole thing of like we've never been more divided that was so prevalent in the 2016 and 2020 elections. And even in going back to uh, 2008 and 2000 when it was like such a contentious election that was decided by the Supreme Court in essence. We've never been more divided. It's like we had a civil war. Right. We've been. Settle down. A little more divided. Or this is the most. You know, this is the most persecuted president in our history. They shot a guy at a play. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know? Well, that was a quote. Actually, I quoted that in uh, Not So Black and White by Reggie Dabbs and John Driver. Oh, I never heard of available it. Available on Amazon. Is it? Uh, in all retailers. Where, wherever fine books are sold. Uh, 2021 Zondervan. Wait, Remember when they used 22. to talk about the leading brand when they would promote something? Like, so-and-so yeah, is the, better than the leading. You're like, why is it the leading brand then? You call yourself the leading brand. Anyway, talk about your book. So the, the, one of the quotes in there was, it was John Meacham, the mm-hmm. historian, Nashville historian, Vanderbilt University, uh, Pulitzer Prize winning author. Yes. And he's – I love his book. He had a book called The Soul of America and he was quoting Andrew Johnson, the president who followed Lincoln. And Andrew Johnson had all of these delusions of number one grandeur as a super narcissistic guy, very, very paranoid, would make speeches drunk and – Divided the country like he tried to um, veto the Thirteenth and Fourteenth Amendments, huh? The thir- Which are the, the third to abolish. Everybody knows those are the <laughs> to abolish slavery. Oh wow! Okay, you know, and then and then to um, grant equal rights. He was trying to veto the abolishment, Correct. the so abolition was, of slavery. He was a former governor of Tennessee, so yeah. even though he was a union guy. Uh, and Lincoln had put him on his ticket to try to win his second term yeah. because he knew he, the, the country was so divided he had, he had to have a southerner. But he was actually super racist. He just didn't believe in dividing the union. So you had these southern Democrats and then you had those who seceded into the Confederacy. Yeah. They have a lot. Dixiecrats or whatever. They have that a thing. lot of the same viewpoints. It's just some are willing to go fight. You know. So anyway, but almost all of them, white supremacy – was still a thing, you know. Yeah. So hmm. he would make he was he made some speeches, and Meacham made the the or quoted another historian saying it was the most openly racist speech by a president ever. He talked about how uh, black people throughout history were incapable of governing themselves, and basically, you know, relegated them almost to you know barbarism and other things. Yeah. This is the an American president in an official speech. Right. So it's one thing to say we've had racist presidents for sure, but. To, to make those sort of comments in a, in a uh, official speech. But one of the things he said uh, when, of course, he got impeached and just, just totally divided everybody. And he made it about him. And he said, no other president in history has been persecuted or mistreated as much as mine. And Meacham's comment is, uh, Lincoln comes to mind. Oh, yeah. I mean, like, so, since you took over for the guy that just got shot for the union right. and killed. But, no one's you know, had it as hard as me. Yeah. Which, by the way, <laughs> the other day, uh, it reminded me, I, I can't really say what it is, but there was someone in my life uh, that I'm waiting on. There's deadlines. It's all official stuff. And um, oh, yeah, it's very prestigious. And... Um, they had a health crisis, and it reminded me of Rachel on Friends. 
because I call you. It's like, oh, this is going to delay things. Mm-hmm. And remember when Rachel, she needed something, and they were like, well, ask her. Ask this lady. And she was like, well, she died. She goes, oh, why does everything happen to me? <laughs> <laughs> and I told you, this is about to be a why does everything happen to me kind of thing, because this guy's in crisis, and I'm worried about getting this deadline. There's you know? one where – my favorite is the other way when there's an episode of Seinfeld where, Seinfeld where George needs something bad to happen because – there's some looming thing that's going to happen, and he goes, well, maybe something will happen to him, and it won't go through. And it would be like, maybe he dies in a plane crash. Well, that's very – that's so rare that someone would die in a plane crash. Well, it's something, Jerry. Like that. <laughs> He's like holding on to hope that there will be a plane crash. <laughs> Those reminds me of uh, The Office whenever um, the episode where Kevin might have skin cancer. Yeah. And it's Michael's birthday, and, and then uh, Sprinkles has died. Mm-hmm. Right. And so Michael doesn't understand that Kevin has skin cancer. No one's excited about the day. They're all waiting for the phone call to see if it's right. And so, um, no, wait, I'm sorry. I'm getting mixed up. This is when he hits Meredith the car. That's what it was. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And Sprinkles had just died because Dwight killed her, the cat, Angel's cat. And so he is so just callous towards Meredith, who he just ran over with a car. She has a cracked hip, you know. And so he's so mad that everyone's so mad at him. And he walks out, and someone's crying. Angel's crying. And he goes, it's just a cracked hip. And, and they go, Michael, Sprinkles died. No, uh, Angel's cat died. He goes, Sprinkles? <laughs> He's more upset. <laughs> and he gets more upset and starts, starts crying. Oh, man, this this office really is cursed. But, like, he doesn't care at all yeah. about the human. I think it was pelvis. Sprinkles. It wasn't the hip. It was her pelvis. It's a, it was a, a fractured, pelvis. fractured pelvis. Yeah. <laughs> Aren't the pelvis and the hips connected? I don't I think it's all connected. I'm, and the pelvis I mean, bones there's not just bones the... floating around in your system, is there? <laughs> yeah, something's wrong. They said my femur's just loose. <laughs> I don't know. Get you a zip tie. Put that back together. I got a piece of boneless chicken over here. I don't even know what's going on. <laughs> so I found out something interesting uh, the mm. other day, and it made me think something. So gas prices are crazy, and it's weird. And now there's oil reserves. And somebody that I was talking to was saying that uh, – there's a helium shortage, and I never thought about where helium comes from. And he goes, yeah, it's in the ground. They There's helium in the earth. And I was like, what a crazy job if you're like a helium whatever. Extractor or miner. And like what if there's – like these oil rigs, they have big accents. <laughs> like you're running out. You're like, yeah, it's cold. It's going to blow. And there people, no one runs. Everybody's just laughing at you. <laughs> My dad died in the – Helium disaster of 08. <laughs> there may really be a helium disaster we don't know about, yeah. but that's a funny idea. There probably is a helium disaster. Oh, my right? goodness. We're going to have to look it up before we post this. <laughs> oh, the humanity! He's running. I'm not going to recover from this one. It's been a long time since you made me cry on the yeah, podcast. Uh, I'm in tears, guys. Yeah. Um, wow, that got me. But anyway, yeah, so, but I've heard now that, to, your, to point out gas prices, that they're going to, Biden's releasing a bunch. Of, I don't know how it all works, but there's reserves. Yeah. And now, guess, there's the market's already reacting to just the thought that the reserves might be released. Yeah. I don't know. It's all a racket. By the way, speaking of helium, though, yeah. back, I know you want to go all political, but that's fine. Uh, Sadie just discovered. Is addicted to helium. It, she just <laughs> discovered that helium changes your voice. Oh, she didn't know? Well, what kind of father are you? I haven't. She's 14, she's like, and she. You know? How old is your daughter? She's 13. 13. 13, I though. I don't know how many times, like, I've never sucked a helium balloon in front of her. It just has it. It's just one of those weird things. She's like, Did you yeah, know? they're all mylar now. When we were kids, they were regular balloons. Now it's a mylar helium. Yeah. So you don't, you can't get the helium out of those. Yeah. And so I was like, yeah, of course. And she was like, yeah, but if you take too much, you know, it could really hurt you. Like I don't know what she had read. Like if you maybe that's too much true helium. though. Oh, I'm sure it's true. But I found myself you like, your voice is just stuck that way. I was just like encouraging her, like, nah, it's fine. We all did it as kids. Suck a bunch of helium. I'm Maybe thinking, that's what's wrong with us. I wonder what happened to me. There's like yeah. I would be a I would have a full head of hair and be a senator right now if it wasn't for the helium. So, yeah, that's all you're missing. Yeah. It's a full head of <laughs> well, hair. I do I I do theorize if I had hair, yeah. I would be in office right now of some Didn't sort. they do a study where people that have full head of hair make like ten or twenty thousand dollars more a year or it's a percentage more a year. I was on a call this morning with a bunch of like uh, women supposedly make seventy nine cents to the dollar of every man, for and the same job. Men make less, and the key is simple. We've got to start letting these women work overtime. <laughs> no, <laughs> it's a joke, guys. It's, it's, a joke. Joke. it's a joke. But bald people, we can no right. But bald men. Oh, 
Listen, I do think that hair is wasted on the young. But you've got a good head, so it's all right. You, the hair is I was on a Zoom on call this morning with a bunch of guys who are great, pretty successful guys, and they're yeah. all former pastors. And I realized they all had hair but me. Interesting. And I was like, wow, that – what does this – what does it mean? It's like you're being invited into the, like the Illuminati. Yeah, it's like – these are the power brokers. Do you remember that episode of The Simpsons? They're like, yeah, we're not, we don't think it's going to, it's not going to work. It's not going to work out. Yeah. You remember, come back with a toupee, they're like, brother. Yeah. Do you remember that episode of The Simpsons you. where he takes the, the hair tonic and he grows, a, Homer grows a full head of hair? Remember this one? It's uh-uh. an old one. I do, I do remember the, and brand. he like becomes successful just and, from the hair. Yeah. And like he's delivering this, he's supposed to deliver this huge speech to the company he works for. He's been promoted now all the way to the top. Yeah. And he's delivering this big speech, and the night before, somehow he accidentally spills the stuff on it again, which makes it fall out. Yeah. And so, as he's standing there reading it as the same exact guy, people won't listen to him anymore. Yeah. The same people that did he the loses day before. The audience. And they're like, one guy gets him, and goes, "What was this? What does this bald man have to teach me?" <laughs> 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 and he just walks out. And I was like, "Wow, that's." Yeah. That should be a clip on your website. I tell you what, it's uh, well. I'll tell you, friends. And you just you deep. come in after the. That'd be great. You what might be you, asking yourself, and then cut to that. What, clip. Does, what this, does this bald oh. man have to teach me? <laughs> I just show it every Sunday before I preach. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It's the bumper video for every. I wonder how many churches are using bumper videos now because we started using them a year or two ago. Oh, Johnny, longer than that. Oh yeah, I've, Seven, I've missed. Some, eight I've years. missed some services. Johnny. But like every, but like every series has a thing, not just a, a logo that you put behind it. I'm talking about like a bookend. Yeah, you know, we're in the well, book we of Mark. A video, yeah. yeah. I yeah. don't know. I, we call this gonna... series "Hit the Mark." Roll that video, and then you. <laughs> they always tell me, like, you know, you don't have to call out that it's a video. Just say, right. I'll be like, hey, now watch this video. Watch this. Right. <laughs> <laughs> they're gonna watch it when we push play. It's true. It's like, yeah, but. It's a little on the nose to be You're like, not up there. Hey, watch this. You don't know what I'm doing. Like, you know how hard it is to get transitioned out of this. I get when I do events, people do that to me. They go, um, "Do your set and be like a men's event. Do your set, and then you're going to pitch to a video. And I won't know what the video is. Yeah. And, and there's no good way to say I could just do my say, "Hey, because they could just start. They're going to start the video whether I pitch to it or not. I should just leave. See, I'm you're right. When I go, hey, thanks for coming, you guys. Watch this. It's like I'm. Uh, a VJ on the old MTV where I'm like yeah. pitching to a Billy Idol video. I don't know what it is yet. You see, my thing is, is what if they don't fire the video on time? And now you got dead space on stage. And what if it's some super serious thing and they've, they, they've, they've uh, totally programmed it wrong. And now I'm pitching to the video of like that. We got to help the starving children in Botswana or whatever. Yeah. And I'm like, I've been so disrespectful the, the whole, whole, my whole set. Cause you have your, to whole, Botswana. your whole Botswana. I got that big closer about right. Botswana. Yeah. It's no, but I never know. And sometimes you don't know the tone of an event. Or a church until you get there. And there's like telltale signs. I don't know if I told you this one, but I was backstage one time at a church. And I was like, this church seems kind of conservative. and Not conservative, like politically, just conservative, meaning like there's pews and right. green carpet. A traditional and church. Traditional church. Yeah. And everybody seems to be wearing suits oh. in the audience. This yeah. is, you know, I didn't see many ankles on the women. There were floor length. And you're usually looking. And I'm in, I remember thinking like, I wonder if I'm going to get over with this crowd. And but I didn't have a real like tell. Sometimes I'll get over really well with a, a super like what I would consider a, a traditional crowd right. because they I'm kind of the pin that pops the balloon right. and releases helium. helium. In the room. <laughs> An influx of helium comes in. But okay. there are telltales, and one of them is the Wi-Fi. Believe it or not, I've started to ask for the Wi-Fi because I asked for the Wi-Fi. I said, uh, "Can I get the Wi-Fi password?" I was just going to go over my set list, huh. send an email. I had like an hour to wait, and I go, uh, "What's the Wi-Fi password?" And they go, "It's all one word." Oh. Uh, all caps, my house shall be called a house of prayer. No, it wasn't. It was. Oh, and wow. I was like. That's a long password. I was like, start the car. Because <laughs> it was like, they're going to turn the tables over oh, when I'm done. wow. Yeah. <laughs> all one word, my house shall be called a house all of prayer. All Johnny Hare was, comedians suck. Yeah. Yeah, right. yeah. Who would hire a clown to come entertain the children of God? <laughs> that kind of a thing. How did it go? It went fine. <laughs> uh, Turns yeah. out. Yeah. Yeah, I had to my my passwords all got hacked and my credit card got stolen. Their Wi Fi was unsecure, but uh, <laughs> no, that'd be great. My house should be called a House of Prayer. So now oh, I've started wow. to use that as like a little like oh, that's a red flag or whatever. Usually it's just like Living Water 
two words and it's a living yeah. water 92 or whatever. What if they say like password one two three? Then you I'm know like, like get out of here. Yeah. These people are not gonna. Mm-hmm. Yeah, not very not the sharpest. That's yeah. my plus. You go. That's my password. Our, How do they know my password? Our Wi-Fi password passwords here are not spiritual at all. Just yeah. so you know. What are they? Mine's the one on the back of the router. It's just a QR five six two. I haven't changed it to a real. We word have yet. one. Yeah, that's on the back of the router at home, and it's weird words. I don't say it because then people will figure out people where I live. People drive by your house just to use my to Wi-Fi. triangulate and use Wi Fi because it's so hard to come by Wi Fi these it days. Is. Oh my goodness. Um, hey, speaking of technology, by the way, yeah, we had a little technological faux pas happen here in the studio. I don't recall. So, what had happened was. There's a television behind us. Oh, yeah. Okay. And that television. It's, it's got a little scar on here. the table. So, Andrew, if you guys, you can go back to past episodes and listen. We've done some interviews with Andrew in the past. Andrew is. Our senior pastor. Yeah. He's one of our best friends in the world. Lead pastor. I think he's lead pastor lead now, pa- right? Yeah. Senior pastor. He freaks These out. These are all just he, terms. When you call him senior friend. No, but I'm saying like. Out. They're the same thing, but now lead is like the trendy thing to say. Well, especially, I guess, if you're an Look, I'm just pastor. like one of you. Right. Guys, just, I just I'm to, just the leader. I'm just the guy who leads. I'm the leader of you. Well, you could be led pastor. You know what I'm saying? Oh, like, that's next. What that's he, next. I'm a servant. I'm the servant lead pastor. Mm. Mm. <laughs> I'm the uh, I'm in charge of foot washings, <laughs> aka the lead pastor. You know what I'm um, saying? That's go ahead and why don't you go ahead and get your feet in this tub and uh, just start soaking, and I'll be back to take care of you. So yeah, I'm gonna turn some music. On. Hey, welcome to the church. Hey, here's some hot towels. Uh, I'm gonna put these on your face. It's a compress. Uh, it's got. It's gonna help you. Uh, it's gonna help you exfoliate. The... So he's talking about the hot towels you get on a. You ever sat in first class on a plane? They bring the hot towel once, and I don't want to talk about it. it a... So they bring this hot towel. And somebody talked about like <laughs> how it's an example of something that is amazing for exactly three seconds, <laughs> and then they literally come retrieve it with like salad tongs, with tongs yeah, because it's cold. It's a cold wet. You're like, what is this cold wet rag doing in my right. hand? They go, we'll take that away. So yeah. they like, come take it. But a minute before, it's like this is this is a, this is the high life. You know what? I think I feel like that hot towel sometimes. Yeah, you know, aren't we all? Like I'm useful. Uh-huh. Just like three seconds to somebody, it's like, oh, oh, that was a great sermon illustration. Now I'm done with you. And then God and needs then to come remove you with salad tongs. Leave the church. Wait, that that got dark real fast. <laughs> so Andrew calls me and he says uh, he, he was like super, like actually worried. Oh wow! And super apologetic. I was oh, like, dude, no. what? What happened? So we were trading out this. He was trading out this table. Yeah, because we needed this another table downstairs, and. The TV just fell over, and in front of it, and I have right here the broken remains. This is when you want to go watch the YouTube video, guys, if you're a listener. Was my Tyler Trent bobblehead, and it literally broke the head off of my Tyler Trent bobblehead. I'm gonna have to get another one now because I wrote a book with a guy named Tyler Trent, amazing, amazing young man uh, who passed away. Uh, It's called The Upset. You can go check it out at my link tree if you want. But it helps with cancer research, so make sure that you go read Tyler's story. And it'll help replace that bobblehead, maybe. And maybe I get another bobblehead. But he broke Tyler Trent's bobblehead. (sighs) And the lamp you gave me, this Arval's lamp here, it actually bent it, but I think he was able to salvage it. It seems to still be working. Tough. And so, yeah, it was like, but dude, I didn't realize, he, I mean, he crushed it. Like, he crushed this thing. Not yeah. in a, you know, usually we say crushed it, that nowadays is a good thing. Yeah. But there is a mark on the television. I was like, well, the joke's on you because guess who owns the television? Andrew Wharton, the uh-huh. lead pastor. So, uh, listen, when you see the studio viewer, listener, and you think to yourself that these guys are out here doing something fancy yeah. in some undisclosed, amazing location, the truth is, yeah. our TVs fall just like yours, you know? Won't that preach? So another thing, by the way, uh, so I know you're not into the Enneagram, but. I'm into making fun of it. I think it's time for you to take a test. I think you're right. And my wife is a coach, so she has a really cool I don't test. want her administering my test. She's not a minute. She sends you a link. I don't need It's that. not proctor. I don't want something. the link to come from her. Because <laughs> then she'll see the results and she'll be like, I knew it. I don't want anybody reading my results and going, I knew it. But I already know what you are. Well, then why do I even need to take the test, John? So You, you are my test. So you can know You're like a little litmus of my personality. <laughs> so my wife's a two. Uh-huh. Okay. And so the two is the helper. And I've said this before, but our entire life together, people stop us everywhere we go to ask her questions. Mm-hmm. Like it's, it's bizarre. We'll be. She a, looks like she knows what she's. I don't what's know going what it on. is. There's some vibe. She's not. 
asking to help, but it happens pretty much every time I go to the store, someone asks and or something. Do you you don't get that because no one thinks of you as helpful. Well, something weird happened the other day, so I'm getting so. But we'll be in an aisle. Then I just ask like, "Hey, do you know where the you know refried refried beans are or whatever?" She'll yeah. they'll be like, "Hey." Refied beans are different. That's when Ref- you that's when you refinance your beans. Listen, you fall on at hard times if you're having to refi Listen, your beans. These interest rates on refied beans are super low. Uh, and she, they'll go like, "Hey, do you know how to? Do you know which marinade? And do you know how long I should cook the chicken?" Yeah, like they'll stop and ask her how to make the dish all uh, the time. Okay, and I'll be and we'll be standing in a crowd of you know ten people in yeah. the aisle, and they only pick out her. Like yeah. it's, it, I'm telling you, maybe some people just seem like an authority on. Things. Well, what's crazy is it's, she is. Yeah. And every time she knows the answer. So they know. Yeah. So the other day we're walking through an aisle. Uh-huh. This has never happened before. And I'm with her just doing my thing, you know, grabbing stuff she tells me to put into the basket or whatever. And these two ladies can't reach something on a top shelf. Uh-huh. And instead of asking me, yeah, they ask her if I can help them. <laughs> <laughs> they go, hey, would it be okay with you if he helped, if he grabbed that off the top shelf? And I was like... It's like I'm not even here, and of course I was willing to do it. And <laughs> Can your servant boy? <laughs> it was very like it's like they knew somehow yeah. not to address me directly, but right. to address the helper, uh-huh. and they help her. Then I'm just an extension now of her helping, and they were right. It worked, and she was like, "Well, yeah, he'd be happy to help you." And I think I you just it. look like a kept man, <laughs> and they like man. they just know that like he he's not he doesn't have any agency. <laughs> she is going to have to grant him any agency that he has. <laughs> but I wasn't. So the thing, like, how did they know? What I want to know what the <laughs> how did they know? How did they know to get permission? Right. First of how all, how did they know that this that is she how would it freak really out. does work? But I mean, how did they know that she was the approachable one rather than me? Here's what you need to do: next time you reach for anything off a shelf, you need to be like, "Is this okay, sweetie? Can I? <laughs> can I grab this? Do you want me to? Am I? It was it was it was crazy. We laughed. I was like, "Wow, that's, that's never happened." Not. Only- I mean, I've had the experience in stores like where you're wearing a red shirt at Target, and you're just gonna get. Right. You know, you're like, hey, oh, you no, know. we're the red polo. What's wrong with me? Yeah. Yeah. But no, it doesn't matter where we are. Yeah. People will stop and ask her. We could She's be got a, like an inner red shirt. That's right. She wears her red shirt on the inside. Inner soul. We could be like shopping for flooring at a tile factory. Uh-huh. Hey, Which is what you do. <laughs> <laughs> All the time. You just go straight to the factory to get your tile. <laughs> hey, got the... <laughs> It's like a huge saw just <laughs> grinding, and you're like, that looks good over there. Let's go over there. And then someone walks up. <laughs> hey, Laura. Uh, yeah. How's this cut look? Does this yeah, cut look right good. to you? Right? This Trevor team working out? You look like you know some things about tile. She does. <laughs> she knows about everything. So, oh Yeah, it was, uh, it was very fascinating. Very, very fascinating. <laughs> yeah, there are, there are people like that, though, that I feel like in my life I go, I bet this person will know a little bit. About this, but then they're, they're, I wonder if she feels the pressure. Maybe if we have her on, we could ask her this. But like, if you are one of those people that gets asked a lot of stuff, and then she's kind of like a with it person in the business world too. So I wonder if there's that pressure to always have an answer, even if you don't know. Oh, every time. Yeah. Like, well, and you're thinking to yourself, I have no, I have idea. no idea, but I bet I've got to be like, well, <laughs> naturally, it's a yeah. She says, you know, she has a a. Bachelor of Science, you know. Yeah, it's like, a BS degree. She also has a BS degree, <laughs> like for other reasons. Like, now I'm one of the only ones who can detect. Yeah, when she's because I've, I've I've been with her so long because she really is convincing. Well, and, you got to be able to bust your chop the chops of your oh, spouse. Sure. That's part of the deal. And the deal is, she does, if, you ever, if you have your spouse on a pedestal, it's you're already way off base. And she is on a pedestal, but we both look. I will admit openly, but you've been here, given permission to get on that pedestal to reach the box. <laughs> for the other person. I will admit here in front of the millions of yeah. listeners and viewers okay. that my wife knows more than anybody I know about anything. All right. Like she is a wealth of knowledge. So you're saying she's a know-it-all. An experience. I'm saying she <laughs> actually knows it. And if she has a gut feeling about something, yeah. there's I know there's very few yeah. um, categories where she's going to be wrong. She's right, and it's infuriating. Yeah. She's right every time. There's uh, There used to be a guy uh, who would talk about that, who was a big business leader that I that I knew, and he said his wife was his crazy test. So if he had somebody he was getting ready to hire yeah. in his business, yeah. he would have them over to dinner, yeah. and his wife would kind of like, and then she'd be like, yes or no. And he goes, she saved me hundreds of thousands of dollars because yeah. you, you don't hire the person. And then you hear like later that they were totally disruptive in the company that did hire them or whatever it is. Well, I was telling Laura the other day, there are times when I need to do things, but I don't have any options. Yeah. And then I, but I'm like, 
whether you have a good feeling or a bad feeling, I got to do this. You know, yeah. so that's hard because then I'm like, well, it's just if she doesn't have a great feeling, it's probably a matter of time. There's a gut thing. Uh, yeah, there's a gut thing that you have to an instinct. I'm telling uh, you, it's 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 eerie and also super helpful. Yeah. But I will say this. I, though, can Do you tell, think she's haunted is what you're I saying? Th- what I'm saying is, is she has she sees dead. Powers. She sees dead people. Right, right. She's hovering over us right now. But I I uh, can tell. Uh-huh. Some sometimes when the people walk away, she just gave them the recipe. Now the other thing Laura does is as as a chef. I'm gonna go and call her that. I'm gonna call her chef. A chef, because she's she's like a gourmet cook. But she like someone asked her, "How'd you make this?" And she's like, "Eh." Like she's the kind of person like on she. It's like every day in our house is like chopped. So if, if we don't feel like she's like, I don't, I don't have time to go to the store. Then she goes in and figures out mystery what do we ingredient, have, right? right? And she just starts. We m- got chicks mix. Yeah, we've got lard, and she makes some amazing. We've got raisins, dish. and you're like, guess what we're having tonight? Chicks raisin lard. <laughs> but it's like really good, and, and yeah. she's like, I don't know, I just left. Like, guess my mom asked her, how long did you? She had we had bacon wrapped chicken thighs Mm-mm. last night in the air no, fryer. No, you didn't. They were so good. And mom what are was we like, doing? Mom was like, wait a minute. So you're having chicken. You're like, ah, oh, chicken's good for you. Let's wrap it in bacon. Oh, yeah. That's, I'm telling you, my Chex dish is probably healthier than what you ate. That's not unhealthy. Chex totally- mixed raisins and lard. We're going to call it shout to the lard. John, <laughs> it's going to take over. You're going to love it. Shout then you wrap the that in bacon. Yeah. Well, it, if you're, if you're, here's the thing. I'm doing. I've seen, I've had the filet mignon wrapped in bacon before, like a, a nice low restaurant. Low carb diet, that's great. Yeah. Oh, that's true. And it was a low carb meal, and then later on we ate popcorn. So you ruin it. You derailed it. But, now you just had bacon and chicken. Right. I just, yeah. The truth is, I'm ha- I'm on a high fat diet to do low carb, mm. but I'm also having the carbs right now and later. Yeah. So that just means I'm hurting myself. Is what that means mm. on the inside. But. uh I'll be the one that. Oh, you know, my mom asked her, "Hey, how long? How long did you put this in there?" And she was like, "I don't know. I just, I just check it. I put it in there for a few minutes and I check it." And so, like, she has. She has an instinct. Yeah, she knows. She, she knows. The chicken's ready. Well, that's what they say about when you're grilling a burger. Is like pull it off thirty seconds before you think it's done. Yeah. Because if you wait till it looks done on the grill, it's burned. Well, if she was or it's here, too done. It's overdone. If she was here, she would say her main rule. The main reason people struggle with cooking, in her opinion, is they overcook everything. Yeah, and that—that's the big. They're afraid, especially you want it meat. To be bloody E. coli. You want all of it. Well, you got to let it rest, and they'll keep cooking. So if you think you want the meat to rest, yeah, let the meat rest because otherwise it's still going somewhat. Yeah. So if you pull it off and then let it start, you know. Anyway, so you pull it off when it's not, like you said, when it's not quite done. Yeah, you want to. If it still looks pink on the grill, it's probably going to be done because it's still cooking go. and the mm-hmm. the air is working. And- working. <laughs> I'm a. I'm. I like, I like things rare and bloody. Uh-uh. I like medium now, though. I'll eat a steak medium now, but that's just... Well, that's where all the flavor is. How could... Yeah, you cook the flavor right but out. I used to be a well-done guy. My mom raised me to be a well-done person, and it was like, yeah, it's like shoe leather. I couldn't do a well-done uh, steak now. No. My mom was so afraid of, like, getting sick, food poisoning from steak, I think. Yeah. Anything bloody, she just... It was visceral reaction from her. So I was raised with that kind of a thing. So I'm like, yeah, I don't want that pink... They go, some pink. I mean, we started going to Red Robin. They, yeah. they were the first restaurant I remember. They were going, like, some pink or no pink. That was how they did their burgers. And I'd yeah. be like, no pink? What am I, an animal? <laughs> and now it's like, God, that's, you're right. Yeah. That's the flavor. That's, uh... But if somebody just handed me a pound of hamburger meat and said, this is ultra rare, I wouldn't, you wouldn't be mm. like, hmm. It's, like, not, cook, not it's like cookie dough. Let's go. Well, that's the one she says, yeah, don't order your hamburgers. Like, let your hamburgers be cooked through because ground yeah. beef is different than steak yeah. in that respect. It's been. As far as risk of. Yeah. But, like, I'm a... feels like the Food Council. We're, like, giving up a PSA. Yeah. Guys, just make sure just that make you're... Just make sure. Keep a food thermometer with you at all times. Mm. Just stick it on. And when they bring it to the table, you can... See, if I was cooking, that's run what I your need. own. I need to know the exact formula, and that's why I'm not yeah. good at cooking. Uh, his, his... I, need it, I need it to be uh, easier and quicker than it is because eating at restaurants is so much better. You pick it out. They bring it to you. They bring you a refill. Uh, now they charge you more than ever, and it's only going to get worse. Like I went to Martin's Barbecue, which is good, but they're so proud of that barbecue. It was $20. I got a sandwich, some fries, yeah. a drink. They go And a moist towelette. And yeah, it was $20. and they took it with some tongs later. They go, 1962. I go, uh, what year? Is there a what t- happened in that year? Is there a TV in this sandwich? <laughs> what is happening that a pork sandwich yeah. is $19? I'm telling you. This is not a this is not a sit down with booths, you know, and they're like, hmm, right this way. It's called 
barbecue joint. It's like fast casual. Yeah, it's called a joint. <sighs> anyway, I, this sounds like I'm just shouting at the clouds, but but they're not the only ones. It's, anywhere it's you go. fun. Here's the thing: it doesn't bother me. I can afford it. I'm wealthy. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> I'm thinking of you, people. <laughs> Okay, <laughs> they're out there. You're working your workaday lives, and then somebody wants to say, "Hey, this pork sandwich is now nineteen dollars," and you go, no. "No," and we're I'm gonna I stand with you. That's right. It's the pork. The regular commoners is the pork. <laughs> Just like you, common people. <laughs> so I love that at the end of uh, Christmas vacation. He's like, you know what? This is reminding me, Clark, uh, that sometimes the bottom line is not what it's all about. It's the little people. Yeah, like you. And Clark kind of looks around. I love that. Um. I had an idea the other day. Okay. And I need your comedy brain for it. All right. Like, I'm a storyteller. I'm a preacher. Humorist. Right. Curator. And I want to know, I want to write something where a character in a parable Mm -hmm. becomes self-aware that it's a parable. Like You sent me this the other night in a text conversation. You said, what if you're in a parable... And you know you're in a parable. Yeah. And I said to you, I immediately responded and said, is this a parable? Am I in a parable right now? And I said, when you, I said, I got this text while I was sweeping my house for a lost coin. (laughs) It's true though. That is an interesting thing. Because I think Louis C.K. used to have a bit about that. He goes, do you think anyone ever said something in the Bible and knew that it was going to be in In the the Bible? Bible. If they were like, guys, that is totally going in the Bible. Did you hear how wise that was? <laughs> well, I like the, I just, uh, the idea of, like, I think of some of them, like, what if you're the third servant who yeah. has to go work uh-huh. in, the, in, the, in the 11th hour parable? And it, feel, it goes, this feels like a parable. Right. Am like, I supposed to get upset now that I'm not going to get the same right. wages? Guys, you know what's going to Is happen. that my role? Really? All right. Yeah. I don't want to do No, I have to. It's a parable. Or, or you have no agency in a parable. When the owner of the vineyard leaves and, and then he sends his hired hands back. Uh-huh. And they kill him. Right. And the guy's like, guys, the, the, the last two guys died. Right. Like, oh, or I'm if you go, going. Have you ever noticed that of our ten friends, nine of them are virgins with lampstands? <laughs> Does that not strike you? Is anyone else paid attention? Has anyone noticed that, like, there's always oils and nobody, <sighs> somebody doesn't have enough oil and yeah. their lamp's going to burn? What's going What's on? What's going on with the... And how long are we going to wait for this wedding to start? Am I the tenth virgin? Like you start, <laughs> you freaking out. Wait a minute. <laughs> yeah, it's true. That's a good one. There. Yeah, you're like, yeah. Is this a? Am I in a parable right now? Oh, that'd be great. I think we could make something. Yeah, we could make that some could be funny a, videos. a series of TikTok videos. Yeah, guy realizes he's in a parable. Uh-huh. I remember there was a cracked magazine, which they do videos too, and there was a video of guys sitting around a table, and they realize they have an epiphany. That they are puddle of mud. Oh, wow. And it was such an abstract concept, but they're just talking, and then they go, one of the guys goes, something, and then the guy goes, wait, what? He goes, yeah, I remember when we went on, we went on tour together, and the, we had the, we're like grungy, and we have the, and the guy goes, no. And then the other guy goes, wait a minute. And then by the end, they're all like, oh, my God, we're puddle of mud. Like, they're so disgusted that they are our puddle of mud. It was so <laughs> funny. Like, that's what it would be. It would be like this thing. Is this what, a, am I in a, yeah. Well, I always wondered in the Bible, like, so in my first book, Joni, yeah. that no one's ever read, but Andrew. Shriveled heart. And the title may change. Withered heart. I would call it, if the I was going to retitle it today, Withered hand of. I would call it the withered ones. That's what I would call it. Oh, yeah. I like that. Yeah. Um, but it's about the guy in the Bible with the withered hand. Weathering heights. Withering heights. And um, I always wondered, like, I tried to take all the stories I hate saying stories. They're the narrative. Right. They're, they're, they're real. The story can be true, but when we say stories, it's almost like we relegate it to some sort of Yeah, like it's a fable or, right? or whatever. But all of the accounts in the, in the Gospels where I'm wondering someone was there to see this and we don't know who it was. Yeah. Such as the guy in the garden, the night – or not just the guy in the garden. Jesus goes into the garden takes his disciples and takes three of them ahead uh-huh. and he says, pray with me. And they all fall asleep. Okay. Who's recording this now? Okay. So, yeah. Yeah. That's they're all question. asleep. And Jesus then moves forward and prays. He's sweating great drops of blood. 
and an angel appears yeah. and comforts him. This is a super key part. So either in the narrative, what happened was as later Jesus told everybody what happened, right. which he's very trustworthy. Right. You know what I'm saying? Because obviously he was going to be resurrected. He's, it's a very believable. Or one of the guys sleeping. One eye, open. eye open. He's just like these guys. Or there's somebody else watching, which yeah. in my story was my character, because there's a chance there was someone else watching in the Bible. Yeah. Because remember, whenever the, the soldiers came, there was some young man out there who only had a blanket wrapped around him, and they went to grab him thinking he was with the disciples, and he ran off into the woods naked. What a strange yeah. detail. In fact, details like this right. are one of the reasons that I have such a confidence in the accuracy of the Bible. It's so random. Right. You don't. Like when you read fables, everything fits or uh-huh. everything's so far-fetched it can't fit. But that's right. so true to life. Like there's no point of it. It's right. just a part. Someone right. recorded it. It happened. You know, so stuff happens at home. That it's not some big story. That's the difference you can, tell, you can tell between real life and stories. So in my story, m- my main character was one of the – One of those watchers. Well, yeah. He was always at this place where – because there's tons. I mean there was – 12 disciples, 70 disciples, but thousands of disciples followed him. Yeah. So there's all these sort of concentric circles, you know, of people with followers. So you I know, think it's a cool writing style, and I've told that before, but, but what, you could write you could write other books like that from other – like what about the centurion that didn't kill himself because all the shackles come off Paul and Silas, and then everybody starts yep. to leave, and he says, don't leave. And the centurion is like so moved by the fact that they all stay yeah. that he receives Christ that day and his whole family saved. Yeah. Like that could be a guy that writes a book. About that story. You could write from his point of view, the centurion. And something, that was my whole... The guard or whatever he was. Something happened to that guy. Right. We don't know what it is. Like, we act like that they just exist in the moment that we see them. Yeah. That's not true. There's a story leading up to it and a story post that we just don't know in most cases. Um, and then that true of all of our lives? Boys. All we see you is in the moment mm. that we put you in, but we don't know. And there's always someone watching and he's writing your story. So there's a little boy at church... And he was significantly younger at the time, but a uh, little sweet little boy. Mm-hmm. And in, in like, he may have been preschool at that time. And I saw his family at Walmart and he freaked. He goes, Pastor John. Oh, nice. Why are you not at church? He thought you just. He didn't know. This is your domain. Yeah, he, did, he didn't have. Um, You'll lose all your powers. You know? <laughs> <laughs> he didn't have object permanence yeah. yet. So like he didn't know. Interesting. He just thinks Pastor John only exists at church and he never had seen me outside. Isn't that crazy? We all have something like that, though. Yeah. It's like the moment. Like I remember my mom said that one time to me. She said. Because I was looking at her old high school yearbook or something. I may have talked about this before. But it's like she said something to the effect of – because she could see me just going like, my mom was a senior in high school. Yeah. And she said something to me to the effect of like, you think that my life began when you were born, don't you? Mm. And so it's the same thing. It's object permanence. It's like, yeah, you're a part of – it's like you're in the Truman Show. Yeah. You know, the Truman Show is like a nightmare – when you watch it, you go, oh, what a poor one. This guy, everybody's acting. But that's kind of how we all sort of think. Like there's people who are the extras in your life. Then there's yeah. the people who are like key players. Yeah. Like uh, there's another comedian that had a bit about that. Like, do you ever see somebody you don't know twice in the same day? Like yeah. you don't know the guy. You're like, that's the guy that was behind me getting gum. Yeah. And now here he is again. This can't be. This and he goes, it's like God's running out of extras in the movie of your life. He's like, just go, just go, gum guy. He won't know. <laughs> just run, run out there. Yeah, I mean, I, and, and the truth is, we all feel like the main character, right. and that's what brings that. I wonder if there's anyone that can ever get over that, though. Because it's easy to go, like, I've totally gotten over my ego. No. But, like, we all feel like the hero in our story in a way. Because otherwise, how would you li- – now, there are people who hate themselves. But even people who hate themselves, they value themselves enough to sit around and mull over how much they hate themselves and why it makes them deep or whatever it is. So I was sharing some things like that in my own life with these guys on this call this morning. And, and they're all just amazing. They're counselors and pastors and stuff. And one of them said, you know, those negative thoughts you keep having about yourself, in some ways they're prideful. He's talking about himself. But he was he – were, because yeah. – and I learned that in recovery. In some ways they're prideful because it's like how much of a deal do I think I am to think that I could be the thing that causes everything around me to right. fail or whatever? Right. It's like the Rachel Green thing again. It's like, why is everything happening to me? Right. Yeah. And I was like – and I said, no, I know I'm narcissistic 
in those ways. And then I, and they were like, no, we're not saying that. And then I said, and guys, and I, by the way, by calling myself narcissistic, I just made myself more narcissistic because I pointed out my narcissism as the center point of this. And they are all like, oh, my gosh. Like they didn't know a person <laughs> could quite go so right. deep in the I levels. I just blew your mind. They were like, okay, you need uh, – it was almost yeah. – they were probably close to putting in an IV at that point. They yeah. were like, you know. But I was like, I mean, to, to your point, I don't think you can ever remove yourself from the center point of how you see the world. Well, even by saying that you're going through something and you're in recovery for something – you center it in a way that says, so I have gone deep in this issue and I'm more in touch with it. So please give me a little bit of levity here. Give me some, you see what I'm saying? Yeah. Cut me some slack because I, I think I understand my issues more than you ever could. So so in yeah. a way, you're still reaching for that. It's still from the ego in a way. Well, I know what Jeff and Beth McCord said is very helpful just in terms of the Enneagram as a tool, but any sort of tool where yeah. you're becoming more self-aware of something. They say don't use it as a sword and don't use it as a shield. Yeah. Those those are the things. Like the, That's the, interesting. The, the shield says um, I'm not responsible yeah. because of my problem. So the way you would do it, like if you found out you're tight, if you're, if you're say, a seven with a six wing okay, or a six with a <laughs> seven wing. Which John has decided so I am. You might be a six with a seven wing. You're going to have – yeah. Then it would be easy for you to do the thing that you do. That is irritating your wife or something, and they go, "Ah, you know, that's just me being a seven, right? That's your shield. Like you know, I'm not responsible. That's right. just me. You take. The I'm just label. dancing to the tune of my DNA, right? And using it as a sword, yeah, would mean learning her type. And whenever she is doing whatever right. it is she does, going, you know what? That is such a six thing to do, which is what you're afraid of yeah. of people finding out your type, right? Yeah. You're afraid someone's going to use it, and people do. Yeah. So, but they're not supposed to. Like the whole idea of it is, Laura and I will laugh. Well, people always do what they're supposed to do, so right. I'm not worried about it now. Thank you for pointing that out. <laughs> well, we'll we'll go, we'll laugh. I'll be like, oh, that's the most two thing that ever that I've ever seen. You know, like, yeah. uh, but it'll be something I know that and that's that was always our rule in youth ministry. Remember, Johnny? If we make a joke about somebody, yeah, we only make it if we think they will also find it funny. They're in on the joke, right? And and preferably that they're present for it. So we're not going to make it behind their back, and we're yeah. not going to make it in a way that they wouldn't also think it was funny. Yeah. And if I don't, we, I don't follow that rule anymore. But go ahead. And if we make it, <laughs> if we make it thinking that they would think it's funny and they uh-huh. don't, then we make it right. Yeah. Then we go, hey, I'm sorry, I wasn't trying to, you know. Yeah, you know? I think there's something to your point about not a sword, not a shield. And I think that's true of humor too. Like I think in the beginning stage of my uh, act as a comic, my jokes were a shield for sure because it was like I wanted. I had tons of jokes about my weight and tons of jokes about. Whatever it was, almost like I'm gonna say I'm gonna talk about the zit on my face before the kids at the lunch table can say it. Right? What is that? A third head? You know, I'm gonna say it. Right. You know, and then um, the the opposite, obviously, is then you turn it into a sword. Now it's like you're in, you're attacking other people, but really that's a shield too because you're attacking before they attack you in essence. Right. But really, what I what you try to do when you supposedly when you get good at this, you try to your your jokes become a connector. It's almost like you're plugging in yeah. to an audience. So you're reaching your hand out, and you're hoping they're reaching their hand out. And yeah. you're saying, look, I'm screwed up in this way. And they go, me too. And then the yeah. hands meet. That's what it should be. But so many times you see, all right, that guy's protecting. He's hedging here. You see it in politicians too when they go, we've got to pass this law because this is the scourge of our times. You go, that guy's got skeletons. This ain't the scourge of our times. He's, he doth protest too much. Yeah. Or preachers do it too when they go, oh, this is the worst thing. And then you find out some scandal and you go, yeah, that was his big key issue. So he made it a thing. So he's, it's a sword, but yeah. really it's this he's, – he's, he's defending. Well, and in counseling, people do that. You, you project right. – I used to do it all the time, probably still do. My perfectionism especially, I would project not onto everybody, certainly onto Laura in early days of marriage. Yeah. By perfectionism, I'm not meaning like – doing everything right, but I had an idea of how we had to treat everybody without offending anybody. Yeah. And that's good, but it was also based off a lot of people pleasing. And so since we were together, if you're not going to people please like I do, you're reflecting on me now. So I'm going to hold you even to a higher standard than myself in some ways, because I'm afraid you're going to blow this whole people pleasing facade that I have. Uh I mean, that's how I can say it now. I didn't know what it was then. Um, but you, you project onto other people, what you're most, what you're struggling with the most. I don't know what that is, except just protection. I mean, you're trying to protect something on yeah. the inside. Um, like you think about Judas. Okay. This is an interesting thought. 
What was Judas most upset about that we have a record of? Jesus wasting, sorry, Mary wasting this expensive perfume. Mm-hmm. So now obviously he was stealing from the disciples the whole time. So like, but he acted like wasting money was his thing. Yeah. He was protesting, like you said, about the very thing that he was struggling with the most, uh, which, by the way, I said something Sunday that I hadn't thought of. Um, interesting to me that with Judas, this whole idea that he was just bad, you know, I was talking about parts a little bit and you're, you're more than one thing, just a little bit. But if Judas was was always, you know, this, and, and obviously there's some interesting prophecies about Judas and the, the son of perdition right. and all these things. But there was still tension in Judas. And I think I even wrote in that first book we're talking about back to trailed heart, the withered ones, whatever it's going to be, that in in my story, Judas was very frustrated that Jesus wasn't taking over. Yeah. And that he knew he was the son of God because he'd seen him raise the dead at that point. He'd seen too many miracles and he thought, I can, pr- I can push this narrative forward. Huh, maybe. Because mm-hmm. if, if they come, he'll have to. Yeah. He didn't expect him to just give up and die. Oh, it could be. Yeah. So you're saying when the guards come to get him, he thought this will start the revolution or whatever. Yeah. And oh, otherwise, why did he run off and kill himself? Yeah. Like if there was no tension, he just wanted the money. Yeah. If he had no feelings for Jesus at all, like what was the... And, and, well, there had to be something there because Jesus chose him. Well, Jesus chose him, and we yeah. have no differentiation between Judas and the other disciples that he had not done all the things they had done, and they had been sent out two by two and performed miracles and cast out demons and all kinds of stuff. I mean, Judas was doing amazing things. Yeah. Um, and somewhere along the line, he just, again, he's taking money, which is not meaning, I mean, you could say stealing's wrong, or you could say most times if, if, you, if you do something, there's a reason for it. I meaning instead of trusting in the provision that God provides or whatever, I'm going to help this along. We all do it yeah. in some form or fashion. Instead of trusting in God's timing, I'm going to pursue this on my I'm going to refi these beans. I'm going to refi these beans right now at 6%. Well, while the rates are incredible I, historic lows. Bean rates have never been lower. No, we know B, that. BPR, we call it. Uh, what does the P stand for? <laughs> <The> B- <laughs> an arm. We get an I'll arm. Watch, what I do is I wake up every I look at the bean rates and see where they are. I'm more of a bean stalker. <laughs> I look at them to see. There was a, speaking before we go, there was a guy who see his character called Brother Preacher. He was an actor. His famous acting role, honestly, was his name's Greg Lee, and he was famous for being the host of the Where in the World is Carmen San Diego show on Nickelodeon. If you remember that show, okay, yeah, he yeah. hosted that show. So he came to our church. I had him come to a show here when we did one of the oh, comedy shows great. here. And he had this character he was working on named Brother Preacher, and it was based on his time as an evangelical pastor. And it was an interesting caricature because he wasn't like the shady like. Because I don't think he's a Christian anymore, but he didn't do the thing of like, and of course I'm cheating on my wife and stealing money from the church. He was just a big kind of goof, right? Who everything had to be three points in a sermon, and he would, he'd, he'd ask himself why a lot. He'd be like, I got to go to the back, why? And he would answer it. And I never really noticed that preachers do that until I saw him yeah. do that. I was like, oh, they do. They say why a lot. They ask. They act like someone's asking a question that no one is asking. <laughs> And it's so funny to watch him do that character. And I've looked for those old videos because he would do videos to promote like upcoming shows. This is before TikTok or anything. And he would just make these random YouTube videos. This is Brother Preacher right here, and I'm coming to the Shamblin Auditorium at Lipscomb University. And he would – he did this one where he goes, you know, the one of the most – the finest uh, – the quivers, and the, uh, the arrow and the quiver of the – uh, of the preacher is the sermon illustration. So many great sermon illustrations. There's one about a goose and laid golden eggs, and one day the uh, mother grabs them up, and, says, ah, and then the, they throw with it. He gives them for the beans, and he throws them out the window. A giant beanstalk grows out the window, and then the boy climbs to the top, and, and he fights a giant, and he beats him. And uh, money for everybody. And that little boy's name was Jesus. And then he goes, he goes, I have gotten off my notes. <laughs> I got so tickled, and I always want to say that when you say some random things. I have gotten off my notes, brother Where? preacher. I wish I could find those old videos. They were so. It's so funny when you see somebody that has this thing that you go, no one is doing. No one's ever. Yeah. No one is doing what this guy's doing, and and no one's seeing him. Do no it. one is seeing him do it. And it's right. so. I like that video would have like forty five views, and I go, this is one of the. And I'd show it to Tim Hawkins and stuff. Yeah. And he go, this is the funniest thing I've ever seen. Yeah. And no one knows it's out there. That, and I'm afraid I'm going to be one of those people. 
I think I am that person. Johnny, what if I'm so funny and people just don't know? What if? What, what if, if? What if we're now? Do you think we're in a parable? What if right we're now? in a parable right now. And it's I'm the, par- the story of the son. It's the parable of the, the, uh, the sons who lack self-awareness. <laughs> we're like, I'm so awesome. Why don't people love me? And they never found out. <laughs> the end. <laughs> and God utterly smote them. Oh, and, the, and the ground did open up and swallow them whole. Uh, Could we so grind funny. up the lamp and drink it in, in a liquid? Maybe. I don't know. We already tried to smash it with a TV. Yeah. It would not give way. And neither were you. And the lamp held. (laughs) (laughs) Though the ship is taut, the lamp holds. Hey, thank you guys for the time you spent with us today. It meant a lot. Uh, Make sure you go subscribe. Listen, guys, we say this all the time, but we really need your help. We actually need your help. I need your help in multiple ways. One, I need you to go subscribe to this podcast. Okay. Right now. Can do it. Like you can do it right now. If you liked it, subscribe. Even Click. if you're not ever going to listen again, leave a rating, leave a review. That helps people find us. They leave a rating. Review. The algorithm is very fickle. Yeah, it's watching us right now. Yeah. So it needs you to do this. Um, and I need you to go follow Johnny on Instagram. It's a pretty big deal. Johnny's a great follow. He's, I'm, I'm he's I, funny. I try to be. I try thoughtful. to curate quality content for he's you. He's a humorist curating quality content for you guys. So yeah. Uh, go and check it out. And I would love it uh, if you have not. In fact, I'm going to say this. If for some reason you've not read my book, Not So Black and White. Then you're a uh, racist. I'm going to. No. If you, if you would say, if you would agree to read it yeah. and to uh, write an honest review or rating, mm-hmm. uh, the first five people, Johnny. Oh. The first five people. It's a giveaway? Yeah, that email me, john at johndriver.com after this episode airs. First five people, I will mail you a copy for free as long as you agree to put me a review on Amazon. That's Dude, how you how are you gonna beat a deal like that? You can't beat a deal like there's this. Now you might give me a one star review. That's the problem. Oh, it's true. So I'm you taking didn't a chance. Say five stars. I'm not only spending money, Johnny. I'm taking a chance. But the the implied thing is, leave me a five star. If you I want this can't book. say that though. It would be unethical. Um, but please leave me a five star review. That's <laughs> good. <laughs> you can follow me on you know, Instagram and stuff as well. Yeah, do um, it. Do it. A lot of different reels and videos and posts going out right now about the podcast. So make sure when you see one of those, you go ahead and share that thing. Maybe like it and share it. Yeah, like it, share it. Guys. Share it, guys. We like you. We're glad we shared the time we had together. We'll see you next week on Talk About That. <laughs>